Hey, this is Nick. Uh, just a couple of notes before we jump into this episode. First, it's really long, like super long. I think it's like two hours, and that's just, you know, it's a long episode for us. We try not to go that long, but it's really been months since we got the group together to talk about what's been going on, and uh, I think it's a pretty good episode. So, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Maybe pace yourself a bit, you know, save it for a long road trip or, you know, a really boring meeting or whatever you need it for. Uh, second, the audio quality is not great this time around. Uh, we ran into some issues with uh, several of our microphones, and that doesn't factor in, you know, also... We're talking across an entire ocean, so there's some delay here and there, but I did my best to polish it all up and, you know, get rid of all the annoying stuff, but it's still a two-hour episode, so who knows? There's probably some stuff in there I missed, so I apologize for that. We'll try and do better next time around, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. And welcome back to the podcast that we occasionally do here at Silicon Sasquatch. It's your favorite show, my favorite show uh, that we do. It's the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Cummings, and today we have Doug Bonham. Hello, live from Japan. Yeah, and Tyler Martin. Silicon Sasquatch, that's a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. Yeah, it's uh, it's been resurrected, reburied, dismissed, rumored you know, told to children at night to keep them from leaving the house. And yet it still rises. It's still here doing its thing. That which is dead may never die. You took one of the (laughs) jokes I was going to make. The other joke I was going to make is that this is just the quarterly report where we check in with our wonderful investors and anybody who cares. Yeah. So let's talk about our core financials. Uh, Our memes are on point. Our Twitter feed is dead, which is good these days. Um, Nobody here has played For Honor, so we won't get any traffic. It's actually a good time to be here if you don't want to be successful. (laughs) Wait, is that a game that's like blowing up on the social medias? Uh, I don't know about that, but I know it's the top-selling game this year, is what I was reading. (laughs) Or maybe it's the top-selling new IP. I'm not sure, but it's been like dominating MPD. Huh. I, I could maybe understand new IP, but best-selling game, period? Damn. That that yeah. must have to be both because it's on multiple consoles and because Horizon Zero Dawn numbers haven't hit yet. The only people I know that are actively playing For Honor work for Ubisoft. <laughs> I've had a few people, um, like not friends necessarily, but coworkers, I've like walked by their desks and they're watching videos of it, so I don't know if it's the game they're playing, but... It seems to be a thing where there are like, you know, ridiculous clip of the week for honor stuff going around. It's like, I don't know, viral. Do we still use that word? As long as there are STDs, viral continue to be a word that's commonly used. Yeah. Speaking of STDs, let's talk about some video yeah. games. Um, it's been a pretty busy year already. You know, it's only March 19th of the, the year of our uh, benevolent dictator, 2017. And uh, it's, you know, we're already... What's the phrase? Up to our ankles? No. Up to our elbows in games? I would say up to my elbows. That sounds right. Sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, there's a lot of shit to play. And uh, not enough time for all of it. 
But, you know, nevertheless, like that's ever deterred us before, we're still playing a shitload of games and uh, we have some thoughts on them that, you know, may be useful to you. Or, you know, maybe this is just some white noise you put on to fall asleep at night, in which case, get ready for some somber, or sorry, sultry tones about uh, video games. Hopefully not somber, depends on the game. Well, you know what they say, opinions are like assholes. We all have more than one. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's just great. So, hey, Tyler, since you volunteered, uh, tell us what you've been playing lately. Uh, well, pretty much Zelda. Just Zelda, Zelda, Zelda uh, from top to bottom. Uh, I am one of the handful of people that didn't buy a brand new console to play one new game I could already play anyway. So I got the Switch, or I got the Wii U version. Shots fired. <laughs> I, I've seen the Switch version out in the wild, and it looks great, and if you want that portability, then more power to you. It never struck me as a game I want to play on the go, so I did not mind just leaving it at home. And I already have a Pro Controller for my Wii U, because I found that used somewhere. And yeah, I've actually gotten really comfortable with the Wii U Pro Controller, and yeah, I've been having a blast dumping ridiculous amounts of time into that game. So Aaron's not here. He's our resident, uh, shall we say Zelda fanboy. Um, yes, you shall. So I feel like I'm going to get a, a little bit more of a nuanced opinion. No offense, Aaron out of you, Tyler. Um, how does this stack up in the Zelda canon? Cause before we were recording, you mentioned that you're also finishing up Majora's mask 3d on your 3ds, uh, which is a, you know, probably middle, of the middle of the timeline Zelda game. Well, I, I can't reach the height of Aaron's fandom, but like I used to be a big Zelda guy. Like I got an N64 for Ocarina of Time. I got like the limited edition Majora's Mask uh, that Nintendo Power was selling, and I was all in the bag for Zelda up until probably like the DS uh, generation. Uh, Phantom Hourglass really didn't do it for me. Twilight Princess, I definitely. Got the GameCube version, had no interest in the Wii U, or the Wii at that time. And it just, at the time, it kind of bored me, because it just felt so similar to what had come before it. And I really dug Majora's Mask, but after I played the HD version earlier this year, I was kind of thinking, like, I think the presentation and the art style had a lot to do with that. Yeah. And a lot of the things that they used to improve uh, Wind Waker for the uh, HD version really helps the playability of that game. And I'm, I remember thinking, like, man, like if I had played the original without these enhancements, I probably would have been a lot more frustrated. You know, things like the the swift sail that helps your ship go a lot faster really helps uh, keep keep things moving. And uh, Breath of the Wild, like. It's kind of a completely different animal than almost every other Zelda game that's come before it, save for maybe the first one. Like, it kind of reminds me of uh, playing Kid Icarus on the 3DS, where there is nothing else like it. It kind of feels like Nintendo just dug out some like old NES cartridges and like, what if we make a sequel to this game? Because... It has like some of the characters and like some of the assets from older games, but it doesn't play like the older games. It doesn't play anything like Ocarina except for maybe like bits of the combat. But it's just such a, I mean, yeah. And I'd say those are the weakest parts in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But they do give you 
some choices and they give you a lot more variety than what you're used to in those games. And so everyone's talked to death about like it being an open world game and everything, but it's just uh, it's freeing in a way that's almost a little intimidating when you first start it because you're kind of left a little bit aimless. So until you get used to looking in the environment and figuring out what you're supposed to be looking for, you can get a little bit frustrated at first because you're not given all like you're not given tons of maps and directional arrows and uh, waypoints and all that stuff. It's just kind of like go in this direction, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I remember like playing God. What was it? Fable Two that had the breadcrumb trail. Yeah, where it would just like guide you through the environment. You just basically had to follow that thing to find where you were going. And that was like a big uh, revelation for games at the time because designers are always kind of figuring out how to direct you towards a place. Whereas I think Nintendo really moved things along because we're getting too comfortable with games just telling us exactly where to go and exactly how to get there. And things just got a little bit too rote. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting example because I think at the time, I don't remember what the critical reception to that part of Fable 2 was, but I remember that game was adored by a lot of people, including our own site. I, yeah, um, I think that game probably holds up. I mean, in some respects, it probably does. I'm sure the personality does. I, I think the world design was pretty creative. Chicken chaser! But, yeah, yeah. And the farting on people and all that delightful stuff. Uh, but Still probably um, has better voice acting than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, well... Breath of the Wild's voice acting is not a strong suit either. If this is what they're putting out, maybe it's a good thing that Link has never had a voice. Yeah, I wonder what he would say. He has some amusing uh, line choices in the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's more the delivery that worries me. Because the delivery in most yeah. of that game is just extremely lacking. And it's not even there's like like there's a ton of voice in the game. It's it's no like Mass Effect or anything. There's not a lot of speaking, but the few times that there are people actually speaking out loud, you're just like, Ugh, really, this is the best you could do. <laughs> I mean, I've only seen one of the um, what are they called, like the vignettes from your history. Uh, but I like the uh, supporting characters a fair bit more than I like Zelda's voice. Yeah, uh, Zelda's kind of pretty inconsistent. Stereotypical characters, but yeah. They take some efforts to make the different races, the different cultures uh, distinct. And you get that vibe a lot mm-hmm. more than you have with previous games. But for some reason, mm-hmm. everybody basically sounds the same, except for the Zoras, who are British for some reason. Because <laughs> when are. I think race of shark people, I think Brits. And that's that's some loaded uh, political humor. Uh, or is it? Anyway, it's probably Nintendo commentary yeah. on imperialism. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like a Nintendo thing that would happen. Uh, always pushing the boundaries. But in this game, they kind of are. Like, maybe not thematically, but design-wise. Um, like like you mentioned, it's kind of an overwhelming game to just go into out of the gate because it's hard to retrain your, I guess, muscle memory or just expectations for games to you know, not have your hand held the whole time. Uh, I was gonna just saying that uh, it's really hard for me to retrain my brain to, uh, you know, go into a Zelda game and not expect to kind of have this very clear, you know, metaphorical or literal breadcrumb trail in front of me the whole time. Uh, and I felt kind of daunted getting into this game in the first place, but I found that, you know, what helped the best uh, 
And this is not a good reason to buy a Switch, but the fact that it was a portable game for me made it so that I could kind of just take these little tiny bite-sized stabs at it, like on my bus ride to work, for example. Mm. And so that, plus like the just the preponderance of shrines and little tiny tasks to accomplish in the game, made it really easy for me to kind of just ease into it piece by piece. Yeah, and once you kind of like get a better idea of like where Korok seeds tend to be or how shrines tend to appear, you get a better feeling of how to perceive your environment. So, yeah, where are you at this point in Zelda anyway? Have you finished everything? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, oh, like, uh, I got close to finishing the main game. Uh, Aaron beat me to it, but uh, I decided to go in and do a whole bunch of side content. And then I got powerful enough that I thought I could pretty easily finish the game, and I mostly did. But mm-hmm. then I just kept looking for reasons to dive back in. Like, I would see a recipe online that someone tried out, or I would find a place for farming ingredients to upgrade my armor. And then I just decided to do all the shrines. Not because I really wanted the reward, but just because, like, I enjoyed the shrines, and I just wanted, like, really squeeze as much content out of the game as I could. You may as well. I mean, the content's all great. Yeah, and at this point, I would love another reason to go back into that game, so I hope we hear more about the season pass soon, but like at this point, I would just be grinding for the sake of grinding, because there's, no, there's not really any more mountains left to climb, or beasts left to fight. Hmm. Well, are you interested in like the hard mode that's coming out, or are you specifically talking about the story DLC? I'm definitely thinking about like, the story DLC. Like... Yeah, like I've I've jumped back into games for like higher trophies in terms of like different difficulties, but for a Nintendo game, like just Zelda hard modes have never been that appealing for me because they don't really change much about the game. It's more just like how much damage you deal and how much damage you get. Which that kind of difficulty change is always the least interesting difficulty change for me. Yeah, because it's I mean, you kind of see that even just in the vanilla game where you can choose not to upgrade your heart containers and just get stamina upgrades instead. You know, mm. that's effectively just choosing to make the game harder in terms of combat. Um, and I don't think that's very interesting. The re-releases of the 60 of Ocarina actually have a more interesting hard mode because it actually changes the layouts and some dungeons and enemy placements and items you get and such. Oh, cool. Is that the Master Quest that was on GameCube? Yeah. Okay, cool. But if they did something like that, it could be uh, maybe a little bit interesting, but since there's not a whole lot to... Like, the dungeons aren't so much about, like, finding your way around. It's more just about using the dungeon itself to... It's like one giant puzzle, basically. So that would be a more difficult thing to do to adjust the difficulty of the game. I guess you could change, like, enemy spawns or something. Mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely something to be improved about the game, though. There's just not a super ton of variety in terms of uh, the enemies of the game. Yeah. Which is a little well, disappointing for a Zelda game. They do eventually like give you different color variants, and it's like, oh, these ones have more health, but they don't behave differently. Yeah, it feels a little tired already. Like, you know, it's fun to see these very... Uh, 
expressive renditions of classic enemies like the Lizalfos and like the Keys and all that stuff. Well, they're, they're not very expressive, but the Choo Choo's are pretty, you know, fun to look at and kind of a pain in the ass if they're on fire. But um, mm. yeah, it's it feels a, maybe it's just because the game is so much longer potentially and so much more about open exploration that the enemy encounters feel like a little bit more stale than. You know, like in Ocarina, you kind of there were combat zones and non-combat zones, and there were pretty clear delineations between them, and dungeons and not dungeons. And this is very much just like here's a massive world where things bleed into each other a lot, and I think it makes yeah. it harder to separate from uh, one part of the experience. But or another. There's another spike later in the game once you get more powerful and you feel more confident about taking on these monsters that used to be able to like one-shot you basically. So you're taking down like. Lynels, Linels, which are like the lion centaur things. Uh, you're bringing down the Henox Cyclops monsters and taking down stone talus golems and uh, those guardian robots. But then you get even more powerful and that just becomes another small hurdle for you. Like it's not very interesting to fight those things anymore just because it's so. You're so used to those patterns and you have the stuff to slice through them fairly quickly. Hmm. That's kind of too bad to hear. Like they did the curve pretty well in terms of difficulty in the early parts that I've played. But mm. I guess every Zelda game also kind of indulges in that at a point where if you get all the hard containers and all the armor and stuff, you're basically unstoppable. Yeah, so I do think this is is gonna be a game that's gonna hold up a lot for dissection later. Because you're already seeing people speedrun it. So seeing like longer three heart runs or naked runs will make for interesting looks at like how the systems in the game work and how they can be exploited. Mm-hmm. Because at three hearts, there are a lot of things in that game that can just straight up one-shot you. Yeah. I have six hearts, and I'm still getting one-shot in some cases. So, yeah. Yeah, there's been attacks, especially with some of those late-game uh, optional bosses I was telling you about, where you take a, the wrong hit and you watch like half of your life bar just disappear, and you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Ugh. Well, I have that to look forward to, I guess. Uh, any other but thoughts on predictably, Zelda? Predictably, you get some dope-ass uh, weapons from them. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, anything else on Zelda before we uh, move on? Because I have a question for Doug about a certain game he's been playing quite a bit of. Uh, no, I would just say uh, believe the hype. Because like, when it comes to Zelda games, especially if you're listening to Aaron, like, it's really easy to just play. Like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's a good game. But no, like... I think more than any Zelda game, probably since Ocarina, like this is a game changer. And I think this is a game in this year that does, demands to be played. So if you have to like get a Wii U or if you can find a Switch, like it's a game worth getting a console for. I would agree with that. Uh, I was a little skeptical at first, but I, I'm like 20 hours in now. And uh, it's a pretty remarkable game. Like it has some of the most ingeniously layered systems uh, that I've ever really seen in an open world game, and it's it really needs to be played. Yeah, and between this and uh, Phantom Pain, like it just it really feels like Japan has a super solid grasp on what makes open world games interesting. I would even throw Final Fantasy into that mix. Yeah, and I think. Rockstar has a bit of an uphill battle when it comes to Red Dead because if it's just GTA 5 in the West, 
multiplayer will probably help it, but I don't think it'll make that game what we want it to be, or at least not what I want it to be. That'll be interesting to see, because I was really skeptical of GTA V when that came out, and I wound up enjoying it quite a bit more than I thought I would. Uh, it didn't feel like a chore playing it most of the time, whereas in previous GTAs it kind of did for me. Even Red Dead, the original, there were some parts of that that were just awful, uh, as much as I love that game. But yeah, I wonder mm. what Rockstar is doing or thinking about in terms of like, you know, do they see themselves as needing to innovate heavily here, or do they think, well, a Red Dead sequel is going to sell itself, so who cares? Given the amount of money they're making on GTA Online, like I think that's going to be towards the front focus of this game. Yeah. Especially since the initial reveal is kind of emphasizing that there's going to be more than one character. So I think it's going to be more about like forging your own personality or identity in the world rather than just mm. telling one person's story. I mean, we'll see. There's still a lot we don't know about that game. Yeah, I'm guessing that's going to be one of those things that when E3 rolls around, they'll reveal a bunch of stuff. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Does Rockstar usually have a big show for E3? Because I think they're kind of on their own media cycle. Like they, they know that whatever they show will demand attention. That's true. You know, you're probably right. Well, they like, got kind of screwed by Nintendo last time. Yeah. Well, you know. What did that trailer debut like? The same day as uh, the Switch uh, event. Yeah. Uh, yep. Bad timing. Yeah. Well, we'll but see what happens. They can't really get snaked again unless Nintendo has like a big Mario Odyssey thing. It'd just be really funny if that's what the timing becomes all the time. Like Rockstar thinking, oh, okay, we'll find this date. This date looks open. Nintendo. Haha. Just Nintendo constantly snaking in, like, yo, I'm going to let you finish, but. <laughs> Mario is the greatest game of all time. They just embrace that Waluigi snakiness. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I'm ready to go to New Donk City. I don't know about you. I, I just like saying New Donk City. I would say my body is ready, but talking about New Donk City, that just feels real wrong. Yeah. It sounds like a loaded statement. I'm not really sure what to make of it. But, you know, hey, if if it's a if it's a Nintendo spin on like a New York City type situation and it's named after Donkey Kong... And Donkey Kong lives at the top of a tower. I feel like it's uh, maybe Nintendo's trying to get kind of, kind of on point. I don't know. We'll see. President Kong. <laughs> yeah. It's President Koopa that's the one that dresses really flamboyantly. So far, we've seen. It's a nice suit. It's a real nice suit. <laughs> rocks that, rocks that white top hat well. Yeah. Oh sure, say that to the Koopa in the six thousand dollars suit. Come on! <laughs> All right, hey Doug. Speaking of cool, like hey. good suits and cities and video game nonsense, tell me about Yakuza Zero. Ah, oh, it's so good. How good is it? Is it is so so good. Um, it is finishing a side mission and getting that little Seinfeld esque slap bass stinger. Real good. <laughs> That's how good it is. Um, yeah, Yakuza 0 came out in January and a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people thought, oh, maybe this will be okay. Or it's, it's kind of a miracle. These games are still coming over from Japan to America. And we're fans of the genre. Yeah. We thought it would be a fans (laughs) of the genre slash weeaboos because that's a pretty narrow Venn diagram, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty much one solid circle. Exactly. Exactly. But it turns out it took a lot of the the gaming zeitgeist by storm 
Yeah. Where, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe it was just the right place at the right time, but it also, I think, is a combination of Yakuza 0 finally, the Yakuza games getting a lot of stuff right. Um, because it's always, I, I've played a little bit of other games, and Yakuza 4 was on PS Plus, I believe Yakuza 5 has been on PS Plus for PS3, and I believe I do, I know I have Yakuza 4, I believe I have Yakuza 5, I've played a little bit of 4, and very much the same thematic things, very much the same ideas, but the way it's been presented and how it's been, I guess, boiled down a little bit more in Yakuza 0 is really good. Plus the fact that it's a prequel set in the 1980s in Japan, a.k.a. the craziest time ever, is uh, really good. Um, so, so yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about how it sets this tone of the 80s, because like, I feel like... You know, I know what that was like in America, but most of my conception of what that was in Japan is... Does it go full Vice City where it just feels like every corner of the game is just dripping with 80s? Um, Not quite, but I mean, the it uses a lot of things that you wouldn't... You'd be kind of surprised, like, oh, that's... Um, how, do you, how do you say it and how do you put it? Um, it doesn't overwhelm you with like, that. Like, do you get a Walkman? There are advertisements for Sony Walkman. Okay. Because this is a, a Sony tied series and game. Um, so yeah, there's big old advertisements on the streets for, for Sony Walkman, both in Osaka and in Tokyo. Yeah, I guess Yakuza has never appeared on another platform besides PlayStation, which is interesting because it's a Sega franchise. It seems like it might be a, a nice connection there between the team that does the game and and Sony in Japan, so... That might be the reason why it never showed on anything else. Well, if Nintendo got Sonic and Sony got Yakuza, I think we know who won there. Maybe not in terms of raw money, but in terms of like quality games. Good lord. Um, there's yeah. a few things and a few side games that are very 1980s, like doing what they call telephone clubs, where you basically do singles or some kind of adult entertainment-related phone call things. Um, might be related to phone sex lines something like that but there's a mini game of it that i haven't played yet but i'll probably need to play because it ties in with taking down one of the real estate kingpins for one of the protagonists so that's gonna have to happen what is the time to nugget like uh, from... pretty long because <sighs> you'll only be able to do that after a few chapters of the game once the real estate opens up and then you have to go through the the bowling side side mission there i just really want assistant manager nugget on my side is nugget the chicken chicken? yeah Nugget's the chicken (laughs) so i haven't played yakuza and i honestly you know zero looked kind of neat to me but it wasn't until i saw a video clip of how you get that chicken as your manager that i was like oh my god this might this might have out saints road saints row except it doesn't do it it does it in it does it in a very Japanese way. Yeah, it doesn't do it yeah. over the top zany. Hey, it it's kind of it, it kind of puts a lampshade on it if you know what I mean. In that everybody knows it's kind of weird, but it still is perfectly acceptable for some reason. It, it, it's it's very Japanese. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds like a um, interesting. You know. Is it is it a departure then for the series, or has it always been this kind of off kilter humor? Well, there's I think from playing the other games before, there's always been this dichotomy where the main story stuff is 
the most Japanese soap opera drama ass nonsense bullshit you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, the I watched when I played Yakuza Four. They had a small gallery area in the game where you could watch this the um, the cutscenes basically and get a synopsis of the stories of the previous games. And they all have about as many twists and turns as a mountain road. Hmm. And that's kind of the par for the course for the story, the main stories of these games. Very dramatic to the point of melodrama, lots of scenery chewing and masculinity, and it's all taking itself very seriously in this, in the main story. But from the first game, there's always been, you know, you can go to bars, you can do karaoke, you can do um, going to the batting cage. You know, there's always been the side missions and now in Yakuza 0, they've tied some of the side missions into these shorter narrative threads. Not to the main story, but they're, you know, on their own. There's little side stories. The the chicken in the bowling alley is one of those, where you can become friends with the girl that works behind the counter there, who apparently has a thing for guys bowling and their, the, the, their behinds while they're bowling, which is interesting. But... You know, it's you become friends with that person. There's other people you can do the same with where you you either do something for them or you talk with them multiple times when you're at a store or, or checking out. And then eventually that leads to either them joining your team for either protagonist's um, side business or just something interesting happening. Cool. Kudos to the localization team. Uh, translating that Japanese sense of humor into a Western language is not an easy challenge to overcome. No. Um, in credit also to Sega for creating that tone, but massive kudos to the translation teams for being able to then parse that into English in a way that will make sense for non weeaboos like my that aren't my that aren't me basically. Like, it's very easy to get lazy in those situations and. Uh, just go for full Japanglish using lots of Japanese words or just like really emphasizing the, oh, like weird and wacky Japan, huh? Without really touching on the nuance or the cleverness of the situation. And they actually do a pretty good job of being able to meet that, which is surprising. And they... They put in the right types of language, the right types of of slang and words in there to get the translation to be just right for how it goes, what the meaning is. Um, yeah, like Tyler says, if you go too literal, you can start using, you can start borrowing words back from Japanese to be able to describe situations that are, you know, you can describe it in one word in Japanese, it'll make perfect sense to a Japanese speaker, but it kind of needs more explanation or needs different context in English. I mean, I think the, we've all seen at least one game that uses words like senpai or uh, sensei right. or things like that. Yep. yep. And I feel like a lot of the context is lost when you fail to localize that in any kind of meaningful way for someone that does not have pre-existing familiarity with Japan. Yeah. Right. I mean, even in the melodrama, even in the main story, there's, there's the, uh, there's gangster language and gangster terminology that, is a little tricky to because it is again so culturally baked that you have to be very careful with how you translate that to keep the meaning right but fortunately the way they've done it is really actually pairs out pretty well hmm okay so i know i don't want to get too like reductive about the game but um i remember seeing in, in the earlier yakuza games and the combat system in there and it looked 
kind of ridiculous but also kind of clunky how how much time are you spending like brawling with people and how how is that system um you're spending quite a bit of time brawling so combat is actually not too bad at all um you get usually you would have one main style for your character but in this game they've given each character multiple styles including an unlocked one at the end of the game i think um and also, you get to then train with different people to level up those styles or to unlock things for those styles, which is also, again, kind of wacky side story stuff. Um, seeing the moments when the two protagonists each realize they can do a new style is also quite funny. It's like this epiphany comes off in their head and they, they start <laughs> thinking of how they can use it in combat. Um, considering that one of those is breakdancing, it's, yeah, it's definitely a fun moment. Oh, um, the combat, I mean, there's no penalty for turning the combat difficulty down to easy if you don't want to do it. Or later on in the game, once you meet the Mr. Moneybags for each like location, you can just start throwing money in the air and get away from combat situations. Oh, okay. Man, I... So, to be honest, I was, like, expecting to walk away from this being like, yeah, I'm glad they made a really good one of those, and I'll never have time for it. <laughs> But I'm staring down the the barrel of like an uncertain looking Mass Effect Andromeda and, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, which I haven't played and looks super, super cool, but also sounds like a very familiar open world game. And I'm wondering, like, would I get more out of Yakuza? Because, like, the character, you know, characters and tone matter a lot to me when I play games lately. And it sounds like that game just yep. nails that stuff. It's also fair to note that we're like two weeks out from persona 5 yeah that's a sure purchase for me speaking of where i learned the word senpai yeah it's gonna be a huge time sink oh yeah i saw a reviewer post their save file after they finished it and it was 105 hours and that was played for review so yep i don't even know what to think (laughs) um well i'm probably 50 hours into yakuza 0 and haven't done all of the side story stuff but i would consider myself at least halfway or probably closer to 60% completion for everything. Okay. Not 100% completionist, and I'm not going to do... Uh, one of the ways, or one of the things you can do post-game is sounds absolutely unreal and unreasonable, so I'm not going to even bother with it. But um, in terms of getting the story different ties and connections done, like, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, I get a lot out of it because it may not have the best systems or the com- The combat's pretty fun. Uh, it gets a little bit repetitive, unless if you're pouring a lot of money into your characters to unlock new moves or doing the training. But it's fun to be in an open world that is defined by foot and not by car or helicopter because you're in these little districts in Tokyo and Osaka that are very well created, very well crafted. Same as the other Yakuza games, but after playing a lot of the Ubisoft style open world game or a Grand Theft Auto style open world game where the scale is much bigger, it's nice to be in something that's a bit denser Sounds like Wildlands goes in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> oh, man. In so many ways, including in fucking up a tone in a game, too. For all the subtlety and all the like really fun parts of Yakuza in terms of the tone and how well it's written, it really sounds like Wildlands is about as, subtle as, a, as, about as subtle, I should say, as a sludge hammer to the side of the head. Yeah. I, um... I never planned on playing that game, and I sure as hell won't play it now that I've like just read a little bit and watched a little bit. 
Oh dear. Although I will say the whole "and baby makes three thing has got me laughing every time because it's just so stupid. I, I I just watched one YouTube video for that game, and that was the audio uh, log about the dead guy's hard dick. And I was just like, yeah, this is not ever going to be a game for me. <laughs> Uh, where it's like, they're, man, it's like that Ubisoft sure gets like subtlety, at least don't two they? minutes, maybe even longer, of just these guys you're with riffing on the fact that this corpse they found has a hard dick, has a massive erection, and it's just like, man, you guys are really just like going for it, huh? I feel like that worked kind of in Clerks, but I haven't seen anything since then make that funny. And that should tell you quite a bit about what sort of game Wildlands is. Yeah. If we're doing with those jokes. What was acceptable for Kevin Smith in 1995 may not be acceptable now for a giant multinational conglomerate making another one of those uh, them there Clance games. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Ever since uh, Ubisoft got like full rights to the Tom Clancy name, they're not really sticking to any consistent tonal theme there. It's just kind of like, how, how can we like find a way to moderately connect this to the, the Clancy-verse? Yeah, it's just like, you know, what kind of, what specific layer of the bulbous onion of existential military-industrial complex terror do we want to peel off for this game? Like, Rainbow Six Siege is like, home invasion, motherfucker. And like, the division is just like, Grinding for XP by shooting people in the fucking head with high-powered military equipment and looting post-apocalyptic uh, New York or like post-epidemic uh, New York. Yeah, it's yep. you know that game was troubling for me to play just thematically. You know, despite how you know it had some interesting wrinkles to it in terms of like the mission structure and co-op, whatever. But it wasn't a great game. And then Wildlands sounds like you know. It was trying to make some sort of commentary, perhaps, about, uh, you know, the the brash bullheadedness of, like, American intervention, especially in, like, you know, Latin America, as has been a, or in South America, which has been, like, basically the U.S.'s M.O. since World War II. But um, it sounds like they just fucking don't say anything of value in this game. Yeah, it sounds like they just completely lost the thread and... Like, yeah, for any hinting that they were going to go in any kind of, like, meaningful or nuanced direction, they just totally bail on it. Yeah. And then what's the point of playing it, then? Like, is a game worth playing just for its mechanics? I don't really know that that's true anymore, at least for me. I think for some people it is, but in that sort of case, like, I lean towards playing games with mechanics like soccer games or sports games or racing games or fighting games. It but, can be, but yeah. you have to not be totally gross too. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, for us at least, like I think for other people, maybe they don't either their filters are much lower or their care about that is much lower. Like we definitely care about. Like I don't think anybody really got into the division because it seemed kind of gross. Yeah, I got a free copy and I still didn't want to play it. I played like an hour out of obligation. And just yeah, thematically it didn't work for me. And you know, like FIFA works because you know. Unlike real FIFA, you're not negotiating for like money with set bladder. It's just like you play soccer, and yeah. <laughs> all the ugly stuff is buried. Yep, and even when you are buying and selling players, it doesn't show the gross underbelly of how the sausage of player transfers are actually made. There's oh, yeah. a whole lot of gross stuff happening in the sports world. Don't mm-hmm. don't look into it too deeply if you don't want to care. Pay no attention to the men behind the curtain. Yeah, let's 
let's not talk about like there's yeah there's a lot of different things that are really really gross um anyways we lost the train a little bit but one last summarization for uh yakuza is a main storyline with a whole lot of japanese ass metal drama and yakuza men being burly and masculine and then the side story stuff is the same sort of guys but taking uh either um let's say playing with slot cars or crafting <laughs> materials for new weapons like the same level of seriousness so you can actually go slot car racing it's a it's a kind of slot cars they're called mini four-wheel drive and it's not it's like a very japanese thing as well and so you can do that with the main character and he's just like i'm gonna win and then if you lose he is just crushed <laughs> um, oh man and same with like if you use that main character the the main character Kiryu, who's been the main character for all of the yakuza games mm-hmm. if you use him and go play like outrun or something at the arcade then he's just like let's go <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. funny i didn't know i so that's a weird moment for me i forgot what slot cars were until i remembered when i was very young in my hometown there was a place where you could go race slot cars like a building like a, a business mm. for this back when you know i guess yeah. that was still feasible yeah uh and yeah that that's such a weird little slice of history that is was lost to me like it makes me kind of want to go back to the 80s and see what else i forgot about <laughs> And it's funny because you're doing that racing against like little kids. Of course. <laughs> and you're just like, you're this white or you're this really tall, slicked back hair, muscular dude with a shirt open, three buttons and a double breasted suit. <laughs> oh, man. And just, it is fantastic. Yeah. It sounds like a, a good, just a good, funny, absurd little combination of things make up that game. And it sounds really appealing. Yep. So it's there's a lot that's there that's really fun and really funny. And there's a couple things that are a little gross, but I mean it's it's a combination of both Japan and the nineteen eighties Japan, but it's it's recommended if you have time. It's not necessarily a, a must buy at fifty or sixty bucks, but if you if you have the time now, if you have the time this summer, don't forget about this game. Yeah. Cool. Um Let's see. I'm looking at the list of games that came out so far, and uh, I don't know if any of us have played Resident Evil 7 or Neo or uh, Horizon or Neo. <laughs> Has anyone played any or, of those? Or, or, or. <laughs> like, these are all games I was planning on playing, and I just I haven't had the time or money to do it. So uh, it's like, I, yeah. If you count the like alpha and beta of Neo, then I played that game, but I have not played the full uh, retail release. Well, I guess it's not maybe the most fair evaluation to make, but did you like what you saw in those? Yeah, I mean, even back then, like it was very much like, oh, so they're making a Souls game, huh? But there were just certain things about uh, the alpha that didn't necessarily work, and mm-hmm. it sounds like they took a lot of player feedback from those builds and actually treated it like a legit alpha rather than just like, this is basically just a preview that we're not going to charge you for. Yeah. And it turns out they actually made a well-rounded package. So, yeah, that's that's also going to be a thing where once I have the time and maybe once the game's discounted, I'll, I'll probably <laughs> check it out because uh, it yeah. sounds more offensively oriented than uh, your typical Souls game. And since 
I tend to prefer Bloodborne over Dark Souls proper. I think this sounds more my speed. That's cool. I was just going to ask you if you wanted another Souls-like game at this point, because there have been so many, but um, I think something that mixes up the formula a bit, like, you know, in a more offensive fashion could be kind of fun. Um, I mean, for, for what's worth, I liked Bloodborne way more than Dark Souls 3. I think I was kind of burned out at that point, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have a difficulty really nailing down what is the magic combination that works for me in the Souls series, because I got really into Demon Souls and really into Bloodborne, but Dark Souls 1 and 2 just did not do it for me at all, and I just found them like a little bit too slow, too plodding, not really... Well, similar to Zelda, it, was just, like, it wasn't clear on what I should be doing or where I should be going, but where Zelda doesn't really punish you for exploring, whereas Dark Souls will. It'll, it'll say, fuck you for trying to go here. You don't belong here. And some people have the fortitude to kind of like muscle through that stuff, but I just kind of look at the game like, fine. I'm not going to play you anymore. Yeah. I got no time for this, uh, this tedium. Yeah, seriously. I just... Uh, you know, there was a time when I thought, yeah, man, one of these days, I'm going to go back to Dark Souls and do another run and just try it on the harder difficulty. And no, that's never, ever going to happen. Like, I, <laughs> I was talking to you guys about this a couple of days ago, but um, like one habit I'm trying to break in 2017 uh, is this notion of like, just because I'm super close to 100%ing or platinuming a game, I don't need to if it's not fun anymore. And, uh, I think, you know, like, I, I got to the final, final optional boss in Final Fantasy fifteen, and I beat it, but it was literally, literally three hours of me mashing circle and then healing every time they attacked me. And I was just like, God, what the hell happened to me? Like, you know, when I was a kid, sure, I would play those games, you know, into oblivion, because why the hell not? I had all this free time, and I'll go get Knights of the Round and a gold chocobo, and I'll just, you know, have a grand old time, and that'll be my summer. But now it's just like, what the hell? Like all these games I mentioned that I haven't had time to play, and it's because I got hey, sucked into the races were fun. Yeah, they were okay. They were better than the ones in fifteen. Um, oh, that's that's sad. Well, I mean, they probably control better in this one because riding a chocobo in general is pretty great in fifteen. But that's a game from last year. We're done with last year, and we're done with Final Fantasy fifteen. <laughs> What's your grand reward for killing this beast after three hours? Uh, smug satisfaction, a gold trophy, and an item that maxes out one person's HP. Eh. Which, right, by that point, why do you need more HP? You're all already <laughs> indestructible. What's left for, to kill you? I know. Like, I, well, they, I guess if you know, if you want to talk about 2017 in Final Fantasy 15, uh, they added uh, weekly hunts that show up with really either difficult or interesting bosses. Uh, so the first one I did was uh, you fight an army of 100 cactuar, which is about as funny <laughs> as you can imagine. It's like, you know, that whole question about would you fight 100 duck-sized horses, etc. It's or basically one, that. Or one horse-sized duck. Yeah. It's the smaller, So they just went full for like the million needle run? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so that was, you know, that's been kind of fun. And those things also give you like a, just an embarrassing amount of money and XP. So now I'm like mm. level 90 and I just don't have anything left to do. But um, yeah. What's so, time for a game like that is like the character models are pretty well detailed and it's nice that they have stuff like that, but the game's kind of lacking in loot. 
like there's not a lot of reasons to really go to town on money and hunts and stuff like what what are you really gaining from that i guess theoretically you should be getting personal enjoyment but <laughs> part of the satisfaction and games like monster hunter and breath of the wild is like i'm going to grind out for these parts so i can get this armor or i can make my armor better somehow and i can walk around and i can look dope but yep. yeah in i think FF15, that might be the one thing like, that game was missing you don't really get uh different looking weapons you don't there's no costumes that i recall like there's there's the dlc costumes where i can put uh noctis in a fucking puffy vest and a hat but i was just like no why oh man this, this looks like not the south by southwest noctis look because that sounds pretty <laughs> good. But um, it's crazy that they go so far into the branding zone with like Coleman tent and what have you, but there's like no fashion choices. Like, come on. Well, you know, mm. it's not like Tetsuya Nomura works for cheap. You know, <laughs> that man designs a suit. That suit automatically costs a million dollars to implement. And has all of the zippers and buttons. Yeah, there's like 84 points of articulation on the leather flaps on this thing, and goddamn it, if they're not perfect. He's canceling the game. So, mm. um, spent all that time modeling food, and no one could model goddamn clothing. The food looks so good in that game. I don't know how they did that. Anyway, that's that's really all. I they had say time for it. it, is what. Yeah, they had um, time. Uh, would you guys like a VR update? Yeah. <laughs> Remember VR? Hey guys, it's is still there kind of a thing. Uh, interactive VR porn yet? I don't know, actually. I don't know. If, I'm sure there's VR porn, but I don't Tyler, know if there's anything interactive. Well, is that a question VR you want porn, answered? But I feel like for it to really just break out in VR, it needs to be more than just a passive experience. You're thinking like Honey Pop, but with Oculus Touch? <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I did not check out any VR porn, surprisingly, but... I did check out uh, Robo Recall, which I can say about 20 seconds worth of things about before we move on. Uh, it's a uh-huh. shooting game, and it's okay. kind of cool. You do this thing where there's a shotgun on your back, so to get it, you reach over onto your back, and you pull it out, and then you have this awesome shotgun, and you shoot things. You also have pistols. Uh, you can also... The best part about it, though, is because it's a touch game, and the robots have handles, you can just walk up to them grab on and then rip their heads and arms off or like rip an arm off and bash their head and it's you know it's comical they're having a good time you're all having a good time it's great um that is a game that is exactly worth zero dollars and i'm having a great time with it <laughs> in that context because it's I, i'm still playing it like it's actually pretty fun but that should have come bundled day one with that thing to really make the point um uh, to be fair it came with a few games but yeah uh See, the one thing i do want to say though, we talked about e3 earlier and last year uh Sounds like E3 was pretty VR heavy, but I wonder if we're going to see the same emphasis this year now that all the major headsets are out and like they're doing well-ish, but it's not like really blowing up. No, it's really not. You know, I want, do you guys think that Sony's going to make another big push this year? I think they'll continue to make another big push and maybe though since they had PS4 Pro as last year's thing, they might now that there's um cuz They'll probably have it pushed so that the the VR is this fall and this winter's thing. Because remember, there was a good point that was made on Giant Bombcast a few weeks ago by Will Smith, who is now very, very much so invested in the VR world, where he was saying, 
these are headsets that are now two or three years old, including the Oculus, um, I think, DK2. So this is now time where companies have taken two or three years to develop games. So this should really be the first year where, if we're going to see VR properties, we'll probably see announcements happening later this spring and towards E3 when they, you know, when when games are announced. And I think it would be smart for Sony to have that push now that they've got the manufacturing process. Now that they've done basically a beta test for PSVR, you I would can come be back very in the fall if and any, push it. I'd be very surprised if any VR game started and finished a two-year development cycle as a VR game. Like, I think there's probably some VR games that started as something else and just they thought, let's make it VR exclusive because this isn't going to really hit the mainstream audience the way we want it to. Like, certainly those Insomniac VR games do not look like two-year products. No. I mean, they're pretty good for what they are, but, you know, any multiplayer game lives and dies on its community, and that doesn't feel like a game that was built with a... But you know, at the same time, like aspect. those those games, like the the magic one and like the mountain expedition one, like they look like stuff that would work on a two D television. But mm-hmm. it's kind of just like if it was on a two D television, it wouldn't get any attention because it's just that kind of boring two A game. Yeah, yeah. Like it's I mean, a very standard game. I think in that sense, you know, it makes me think about the Switch and Nintendo's approach to multiplayer right now. And for as dumb and maybe not worth 50 bucks as 1-2 Switch is, uh, there is something to be said for a game that you play just by looking at the other person and, like, reading their visual cues and trying to, like, you know, draw faster than them or do a certain thing. Um, You know, because that game would would be terrible online. I might be willing to bet that uh, Resident Evil actually might change things a bit in terms mm-hmm. of what is going to be attached to VR. Because I don't know if it sold a significant number of PlayStation headsets, but I do know the VR was very well received in that game. So I could see yeah. more developers adding significant VR functionality to their uh, mainstream games, or I could just see more developers thinking, okay, we can actually find a way to make these longer uh, gameplay experiences work on a VR headset without making our consumers nauseous or exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's actually one thing I really want to check out in Resident Evil 7, and I'm kind of waiting to see if they bring VR to the PC version as well, because I don't have a PSVR. But um, it's the first mainstream $60 retail game I've heard about that has a VR mode that's not just bolted on, like, garbage or vignettes or whatever like apparently the tomb raider right. thing was kind of neat for a little bit but i never heard anything about the final fantasy 15 vr mode or any of that stuff it stinks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not surprised i don't know you know it's i've had my heads up for almost a year now and i still think the technology is kind of at, at its best moments it's phenomenal it does some really truly phenomenal things to your to your brain um but it's not I don't think it's a games platform. Like I think it's it's good for little experiences and little, you know, shared moments perhaps, but I just I can't imagine playing a whole RE game in a headset. You know, let Sounds alone the like scare factor. The way to play though. Yeah. yeah. Well like I, I mean, I've had numerous people over here uh tell me either play it that way or 
you can probably skip it. Because it sounds like it's a good Resident Evil game, but it sounds like it's a great game, period, once you play it on VR. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yep. And again, it was GDC time, Giant Bomb, when uh, Mark McDonald from 8.4 or other companies now in Japan, but he was over there and was proselytizing, you have to play this in the VR. There is no other way to play this but in VR. Mm. That's how I feel about uh, Adrift, which I think we talked about a little bit last year, where, you know, what would be a very, very tedious audio log collecting first person exploration game becomes a very intense deliberate fascinating experience in vr it just wouldn't work otherwise i would say skip it altogether if you can't play it in vr just uh fyi mcdonald is working for enhanced games who did uh the infinite version of res on vr Ooh, ah it's a game i still need to play and uh similarly like it sounds like uh the new area area x or area 10 depending on who you ask uh, is just kind of breathtaking in VR. But yeah. similar to Resident Evil, it's like, it sounds like it's fun, it's nice on a normal PS4, but playing on VR is a life-changing experience. Hmm. Well, one of these days, I'll find a PSVR somewhere. I don't know anyone who has one, and I'll just pry it off of them, You know, pull them out of their VR-induced stupor, and spend a couple minutes with Res, because that just sounds super cool. Yeah, it's anecdotal, but it seems like it's... I don't know if it's the supply or the demand, but it seems like it's always hard to get. So I'm curious for you guys, since you know you live in Japan and mm-hmm. you have, you know, in, in, in general, smaller living spaces than maybe you would if you lived here. Uh, and also, you know, you're, you're grown-ass adults, you work. Uh, what would it take to get you to buy a PSVR? Would it be a price drop? Would it be more games? What would you, What would you be looking for? Yeah, I would say it would be diversity of the games catalog and okay i would need to know that it could work in a more limited space setup considering i live in japan yep because uh, I, think... I know it's hinging on the ps camera and you can use the move controllers and the move controllers are not hard to find over here and i already have a playstation camera but the headset is surprisingly hard to find here oh Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen one used at all. Like, and you can find just about everything else used or secondhand in Japan. Now, I haven't been up to Akihabara in a while, but I, I would be surprised if you if there were any available in the secondhand shops there. Even. Do you think that means people are holding onto them, or are they just very supply constrained? Well, that's that's again. Is it supply or is it demand? Are there a lot of headsets out there and they're, get, they're getting snapped up right away? Or are there just not that many out there and Sony's kind of okay with that? You know, what's what's the case? What's the scenario here? It's probably um, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, that's that's why I think it seems almost like this initial first six months, first year of PSVR is a trial run for it. Where it doesn't have to sell, or it, I guess it has sold quite well. It doesn't have to sell gangbusters because you know, it's, it, we're 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 saving that for later. It's almost like a console generation, or almost like the Xbox original before the Xbox 360, where they're learning more about it and whether it succeeds or fails. We're we're using this as a dry run before we actually put better games out there for PlayStation VR. Before we put a lot more investment into PlayStation VR, 
it's probably a lesson learned from 3D, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. it's probably a proof of concept for Sony. And since yep. they're doing well this generation, they could have their own Kinect moment. And the PS5 will just like <laughs> come with a headset right out of the box, and it'll cost a thousand dollars or something. And it'll literally eat your discs if you put them in there as DRM. <laughs> and the wheel keeps turning. And the wheel keeps turning. Yeah, I think it would take better games for me to get a PSVR. I'm also in the case where uh, I've tried and used Nick's VR headset, um, your Oculus setup, when I was back in uh, the U.S in Christmas time, but I have glasses and my glasses are such that they do not fit well under a VR headset and I can't see a damn thing without my glasses. So I'd have to find a, a way or the PSVR would have to fit over my glasses because I don't want to use contact lenses just to play a game. You might have better luck with the PSVR. I seem to remember it being a little bit roomier than the Oculus. Yeah. They actually sell peripherals over here. I hesitate to call them peripherals, uh, clothing accessories to wear on your face to help reduce the amount of visible light getting into the PSVR headset. Wow. It's a head sock. You put on a head sock. <laughs> yep. I believe I, I believe I posted a photo of that when I was in uh, Yodobashi most recently. <laughs> so it's is like, it like it's a, a ball ski mask? It's a balaclava for using VR. Okay. As if having someone walk in on you wearing that thing would not already be embarrassing enough. Yeah, like, I'm not trying to kink shame, but that sounds, like, very fetishistic at that point. <laughs> and I don't know that that's a good way to make a make VR mainstream. Now, that's the way to get you know? me to buy a VR headset. Straight-up fetish games. <laughs> Give me 50 shades of VR. Tyler, you know we're recording, right? I, I, know, I want this. I want this recorded <laughs> for posterity, <laughs> for your future generations. And oh. he put it on wax. <laughs> uh, you guys want to hear about Night in the Woods? I do. Sure. Cool. Uh, this is probably going to be my my twee game of the year, and I say that kind of disparagingly. I actually I just love everything about it in terms of the Sounds writing. Weird calling it twee, given some of the themes that are dealt with in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's it does a great job of playing with the tone because it's not scary out the gate, but then you find a severed arm in the first half hour. And, of course, you and your <laughs> oh, friend's God. reaction is, whoa, is that an arm? And so you grab a stick and there's a mini game where you poke at it. And then you, <laughs> you have to poke at it until you find a specific clue on it. But it's just like... <laughs> oh, God. It's a, it's a very Here we shrewdly go. written game. It's like the worst parts of Phoenix Wright and Trauma Center combined. And it's just all the better for it. <laughs> It's a charming oh, ass no. game, and it, it knows exactly what it is. Um, I hope you guys get a chance to play it because uh, it's. I'm only on the second chapter. I've been taking my time and trying to get all the dialogue out of it, but that's just because, you know, maybe it's just personal taste. But I, I think it's all just worth seeking out. Like it's some good ass writing, and it's, it's just right up my alley. Um, and also, as somebody who has been through a similar scenario of like moving home after college. And being back in the suburbs and feeling like your life is completely on hiatus and not wanting to confront it, this game nails that feeling. It's it's not a good feeling, but the game, you know, it's cathartic the way the game kind of presents it. For a medium, I like to treat as escapism. That just sounds way too real. I I don't know. You know, I think escapism can deal with real themes as long as it's like you know done. You know, it, you don't feel like you're reliving your own traumas necessarily. Yeah. It's it's definitely sounds like a game I'm interested in playing 
And I know it's not expensive at like 20 bucks. Yep. But with so much going on right now, it's definitely a good. It's, it's going to be one of those things where once I see it on sale, it'll be like an easy pickup mm-hmm. just to add to my ever-growing library of stuff I don't play. Yeah, it's, it's less about the cost and more about, oh, I have no time to play this right now. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a Mass Effect heading down the tunnel. There's Persona right behind it. So that's, that's the only thing that's really keeping me back. But, you know, I'm about to finish Yakuza. I might be able to grab that and fit it in be- before I get sucked into the next major game that comes out. Cool. I'm not sure Night in the Woods is a game I want to binge. I don't no. want to rush through that to get trying to get to the next release. I think you want to you want to approach it just like a it feels like to me reading a good comic book where it's really fun and I know that it's always going to be like enjoyable going to the next issue, but if I rush through it then I just spent 15 bucks on a trade and I finished it in an hour and now it's just going on the shelf, you know. Yeah. It's better to savor it and really enjoy the art and really enjoy the experience. Right. Right. Not to say that I'm going to rush through anything any coming up or trying to beat anything immediately to get it but just you know what what's next before making a decision about either of the two major games that are coming out that i have interest in yeah well you know That's... there'll be though there will be a dry spell at some point if there's any mercy in this year's release calendar so uh when you got a free week considering how bad 2017 is on all other fronts it's probably going to have no mercy on releases for video games yeah. Just because that's how bad it's going to be. Because we need good games this year. And, you know, we were talking about this on Slack, but um, 2017 is on track to be the next 2007, or even, I think as Tyler mentioned, 1998, in terms of just, like, fucking absurd amounts of good, good games out the door. Like, just like it's high quality games coming out, like, literally every month this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's nutty, man. But you know, maybe that's a good way to kind of you know wrap up from here. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to? Or is there any other games that you have played that you want to mention before we do that? I don't off the top of my head. Although I just picked up a game for iOS that looks pretty interesting. Uh, it's called uh, Ticket to Earth. Huh. It's oh. like a isometric uh, tactical RPG. Look, oh, art looks cool. pretty good, and I got it. I think it was on sale. It was only like four bucks, so nothing I need to feel bad about. Cool. Yeah. Well, let me know what you think of it. Yeah, and still playing Clash Royale. Oh, uh, did Fire Emblem Heroes come out this year? Yes, it did. Oh, I played it. Next question. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> about all you can say about Fire Emblem Heroes. I mean, wah, 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 wah. if if you want. Just that little tiny hit of Fire Emblem Tactics every time you turn on your phone. It's there for you. But man, that it nothing. Fire like Emblem the first has hit. never been a franchise I could latch onto because what it does well are always things that I think other games do better. I mean, even the other tactical game from that developer, Intelligent Systems, uh, which is the Advance Wars. I think those battles are much more interesting to play. And the other angle that attracts a lot of people, the whole waifu element, uh, getting different couples to, like, basically holding up your Nintendo Barbie and saying, now kiss. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a interesting mechanic to have in a game, but I never have gotten a feel for the characters in those games. Like, 
I know some people are super excited in Fire Emblem Heroes. It's like, oh, yeah, I got these characters from this game. And I'm just like, they all look the fucking same. Yeah. Like, there's no yep. personality in any of these people, really. Yeah, I just so, can't do it. Like, you know, you look at something like Breath of the Wild, and that game, I feel like, very subtly characterizes all the little incidental NPCs you find, for the most part. Like, I just met the Zora Prince, and that guy's kind of driving me a little crazy, but... You know, you talk to people in the villages or whatever, or like, you know, the laboratory crew. Like, it's it's a subtle way of building some did, really wacky characters. Did you just subtly shit on Prince Sedan? I didn't, I, I, I'm not talking mess about the Prince here. I'm just saying, you know. That dude is dope. I, I mean, I know he's supposed to be like sexy fish boyfriend, according to the <laughs> internet. But, I, I don't know. The internet basically just tells me that Zelda is a very horny game, and I haven't quite found that yet. But you Oh, know. there's more. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's never as... It's not fucking Bioware. It doesn't get that far <laughs> into it. But it's certainly uh, less subtle than previous Zelda games. Yeah, Mass Effect, a.k.a. Space fucking... Come it sounds on. like they're leaning even heavier <laughs> in that on. direction now. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. It's Bioware is full on. Like we know what you want. Well, hey, space, go space, you. fucking come <laughs> on. <laughs> well, hey, you know but we're yeah, talking but, about this confluence of VR support, and what better developer to get on board this whole like special niche of VR sex games that Tyler mentioned than Bioware? <laughs> you would think it would be the natural the next step. But I'm still waiting for Bioware to kind of graduate beyond like the Skinemax uh, softcore uh, bullshit. What are you looking for? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know <laughs> some places. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the, there's never been a Bioware sex scene that was even any remotely titillating at all. Like it's yeah, all they're just all the of, worst. It's it's supremely groan worthy. It's just like too far to be something you'd ever want to watch with someone else in the room with you, but not far enough to actually make it like a interesting in any way dynamic. Yeah, hmm. it feels like they're can, trying so to kind of one up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, I, I just always want Bioware to like choose a direction. Do you want it to be like just that emotional attachment, or? Do you want me to want to let me bang out, basically? Because <laughs> either either if you pick a side, I'm good. I, I kind of respected uh, Saints Row Four because they they really made a super clever joke on that, where you once you get your crew together, you have your ship, and you can walk up to it, <laughs> you can talk between missions, and at any point you just can say, "Want to fuck?" And they're always like, "Yeah." <laughs> and you do, and there, there's not really any kind of cutscene or anything because it's not about that. It's just the joke, but it works. It's very clever, especially the way that every other character initiates. Like, yeah, one punches you in the face, just <laughs> and then. And cut it's the such black. a it's such a good uh, way to kind of address uh, sexuality in games mm-hmm. because your character can change their uh, gender basically whenever you want, and. They can screw whoever they want, even inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so people are constantly trying to toe this line, and like people get up in arms about like, oh, social justice warriors. But sexuality is not something that needs to be political. It's not something that needs to have a purpose all the time. Like 
it's just part of being a living organism. So you, you don't have to make it this like dramatic gesture. Yeah, that might I, be my favorite thing I, about Saints Row is how it just sort of low key says fuck you to all this like, you know, social norms and all these things that people enforce. Like, you know, people get angry about things like when you make Caden Alenko gay in Mass Effect 3. Like, why would Even you care? He's the shittiest fucking character in that franchise. Yeah, I think it's most like people if there was anyone die, but... you Wait. should be okay with making gay, it's Kaiden because at least that gives him some depth. Yeah, like finally the character has some nuance, and you know that guy was basically just useless in the first game. And you know, I thought it was nice that Bioware. Yeah, and making him basically in the closet for two games is like, oh, that explains maybe why he's such a secretive dickhole. Yeah, and the part where he comes out to Shepard and professes his love in 3, which, you know, was kind of... I thought it was pretty well done, actually. Like, I felt bad in that scene rejecting him. Because <laughs> I, I would feel had pretty good about lady. that. Like, there should have been an option where he, like, professes his love and you're just like, hey, that's great, I still don't want to touch you. <laughs> I, like, I, I didn't just want to, like, politely reject him. I just wanted him to know, just like, I want none of this. Yeah, but that's because Caden sucks. Yeah, exactly. That seems well and good and something that sounds like maybe Bioware did it really well with Mass Effect 3, but with a character that in any of my playthroughs and any time when I play Mass Effect in the whole trilogy, that character is never going to survive Mass Effect 1. <laughs> also, I think I missed but I don't think he's actually... As... He's not gay, right? Like, his female shepherd can romance him? Oh, yeah, I guess he's technically bi or whatever. Yeah, come on. S- sorry, I didn't mean to... Uh, uh, misstate that but he still sucks yeah for as much as emphasis as bioware puts into the relationships and games and there are situations where you can get rejected Mm -hmm. but rejection's part of relationships so they need to give me a way to just shoot down people yeah Mm -hmm. and in an interesting twist like one of the few interesting way like paths they have for romancing characters at all in the first trilogy is with jack because if you want to just go straight banger, apparently you can do that much earlier than if you want to have a romance with her. Oh, really? Yeah. And huh. the way that it handles that in the game, like that means, or I think early on there's a, there's a option where you can be like, much much like in Saints Row, wanna fuck, and <laughs> apparently you can do that pretty early on comparatively because usually if you're talking about the romance options in Mass Effect games, they're very late game. She got or a lot of scene... deserved shit in lead up to Mass Effect 2 because of her appearance. Like, basically yep. just, like, wearing, like, no clothing except for fucking cargo pants and uh, just being all tatted out and skinhead. If but we're looking I... like a, a um, Unreal Engine 3 version of Tank Girl. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Tank Girl just yep. stolen and dropped into the game. But not but quite I as cool be- as Tank Girl. Between 2 and 3, like, her arc is actually makes her one of the more interesting characters i think and i was yep i was always kind of resentful in three in that they didn't really give you a chance to connect much with your squad from two they just kind of abandoned them all it's like oh you wanted to bring ashley and kaiden back in your crew right i was like fucking no no leave them gone (laughs) and oh it's here's a space robot it's sexy but you don't get to fuck it but joker does it's like what no nobody wants this hey at least that screen finally got his (laughs) <laughs> Joker deserves I think with, none. <laughs> yeah. I think with Joker it would be actually what we were what I was going to make a joke about earlier which is you're you're suggesting that you need options other than just romance or or um 
straight to the Bonin. Like, we need to have this Mass Effect dialogue wheel where we have, if you highlight one side, it'll be a cuddle, and the other side, it'll be like the, the one finger making the, you know, index finger into a circle motion on the other side. <laughs> if there's one Which redeeming did... thing about Mass Effect Andromeda, it's that it's going to be the only Mass Effect game that doesn't have any Seth Green in it. Oh, thank God. Are you sure? How could he be in this game? <laughs> there might be an audio log in there somewhere. Uh, I wonder if there would be any that. characters from the first game that snuck aboard. Like, I'm thinking someone like That'd Conrad Werner. But he was in yes. 3, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I'm I'm more curious about what they're going to do with the fact that they make you choose a gender for your shepherd. Like, is it just going to be a statue? Because Asari live a long time. It's possible mm-hmm. that Liara is still alive during the events of Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, yeah. yeah. Entirely. And she's like half robot in my game. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know, maybe... Uh, in Bioware canon, she and Shepard had a blue baby. Yeah, beautiful blue but baby. Since Asari uh, are non-gendered, it wouldn't really matter what gender your Shepard was. So again, I don't mm-hmm. know why that'd be important. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I hope they don't fuck it up. There are many ways that game could disappoint people, and I think that on some level it's bound to disappoint me. But I accept that because, like, you know, that trilogy. Pretty much retroactive. I don't know if we want to really get into it as a thing, but this feels like a year when people are kind of looking for things to either rally behind or pile on. Like this. Well, that. I mean, 2016 was a divisive year, but this year is like kind of embracing the divide. Like, I've been watching Iron Fist, and that show got a ton of shit. Like, it just got crucified in reviews. You look at its Metacritic score, and however you feel about Metacritic, fine. But it is, like, deep, deep in the, like, 30s or something. Like, that's a abysmal score for a TV show. And I'm about a little more than two-thirds of the way through the season. It's not great, but it's not that bad. And I'm kind of seeing the writing on the wall as far as Andromeda goes because people have been playing that 10-hour trial and uh, a lot of the five-hour previews have come out from different uh, media outlets. And yeah, people are just taking massive dumps on this game for its like animations and uh, facial uh, movement and stuff. And it's just like, I don't, I haven't played the game. I don't know it yet, but I, I liked Inquisition. I mostly like the Mass Effect games, so it just it would be really surprising to me if this game is as bad as some people have implied. Yeah, I'm I sure think... it could like not meet expectations, but I don't. Yeah, I think we have a lot of room for polarity and not a lot of room for yeah, it's all right. And yeah, you look at Breath of the Wild too, and it was just like yeah. A scores up and down the board. And yeah, it is an amazing game. I gave it a pretty ringing endorsement at the start of this talk. But there's still flaws. It's not immaculate. No. There's stuff in that game. I'm like, you could have done this better. Well, did you see the fallout when, you know, it had a 98 average on Metacritic? Ooh, one of the top three games of all time or something. And then Jim Sterling gave it a 7 out of 10, and that brought its average down on Metacritic to 97. And the pitchforks and the rage just came out, and Twitter, you know, like Twitter does, became a scorched hellscape of angry, entitled shitheads. 
and or a worse scorched hellscape of shitheads. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't agree with that score, but at the same time, having played through the game exhaustively, I can see how someone might play this game and see it as a seven out of ten. Yep. Me too. I don't see it that low, but I sure see how he could. These are subjective scores, and you can feel less about a game than another human being. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm glad Aaron's not here. He might disagree on Zelda. (laughs) No, there's one truth, and it is Zelda. (laughs) I'm not a Zelda guy. That's why I haven't talked a lot throughout the first whole period of the show, because I've never really played Zelda. I'm never really interested in Zelda. I want to give it a shot. I still have Link to the Past, the Game Boy Advance version that I've never gotten very far in. And a lot of people would probably see that as criminal, but you know what? I'm just not that interested. It never hooked me. Yeah, and you know what? If I was younger, that might have offended me to my core, but I was dumb back then. Mm-hmm. Like, now Even I'm as like, oh, a kid that had a, a SNES, though, like, Link to the Past was not my favorite Super Nintendo game. No, it's still and not my favorite. Nope. Zelda was not my favorite Nintendo franchise. Like, I didn't really become a believer until I saw Ocarina on a 64, and I was like, I have to play that. Oh, yeah. Well, that game in that moment, even if you didn't really like it or play it, it was a big deal. Yeah, and I have come around on 2D Zeldas, but they are for a more specific audience, and I don't think that, even though they are extremely well-regarded as a series, they are not for everybody. And yeah. you can even see that here in Japan. Like, Zelda is not a Japanese-focused franchise. It, yeah. it still gets made because it does well enough in Japan. Nintendo does not make games that don't do well in Japan, which is why they haven't made a Metroid game in, like, a decade. But, well, I guess if you count that uh, Federation Force 3DS Hunters game. That was probably the bigger fuck you than just not making a Metroid game. But anyway, continue. But, yeah, the Zelda games do much better in the West. Because uh, that style doesn't have the same appeal to a Japanese audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure well, Splatoon and Mario will do great, though. I hope so. Those are games that I think did well, very well in Japan traditionally and also in the West. So, um, But as far as games we're looking forward to, the big question mark in my mind uh, coming up is Prey. Yeah. Talk about Prey it's for a, a moment. Made well, it's made by Arcane, who did the Dishonored games, and uh, I finally uh, dove into Dishonored late last year and just really knocked my socks off. Like, I, I tried playing on PS3, and, and it might have been the controller, or maybe it was just, like, wrong place, wrong time, but yeah, I we're, didn't get into it until I played the PS4 version, and I... Similarly, I, I did both playthroughs. I did the, like, super action-focused one, and I did, like, the all-stealth run. And I found both to be pretty satisfying. So I got Dishonored 2, but I haven't dove in yet. And I'm excited to give that a try. But Prey 2 look Or not, it's not Prey 2 anymore. Now it's Prey. Uh, it looks to be uh, scratching a similar itch that like the original Bioshock did. And actually fulfilling some of the promises that Bioshock did not. That System Shock did. Where it's just like mm-hmm. giving you more variety. And giving you some of this real like space horror vibes and this kind of like post-humanism uh concepts it it looks like a very interesting experience i hope that arcane can deliver on the gameplay as well because shipping two games in a single calendar year i don't know what the size of those teams are but that's a difficult thing for most developers to pull off 
Yeah. And it, it didn't work out as well for Avalanche, who did both Just Cause 3 and Mad Max in a calendar year. Both yeah. of those games came out feeling not bad, but kind of undercooked. Yeah, if they'd done just one of those, you have to wonder what that game would have looked like. Uh, they were both okay, but yeah, it's yeah, a good, it's they're, a good they're perfectly playable experiences. But like, Just Cause Two was like an extremely entertaining and novel experience, and mm-hmm. Just Cause Three was not. Yeah, Two is objectively better than Three, I would say, even still. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm really curious about that too. I'm. Did any of you play Prey, the original? The no. like space vaginas with the Native American motif. Yeah, the really questionable everything game. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got it uh, probably dirt cheap because I got into the 360 late, and it was a pretty early game on 360. And it was like, was it Portals before Portals? Yeah, because you couldn't control the Portals, but Portals exist. So that was a pretty cool mechanic. But yeah, the combat in that game was just like, uh... yeah. If that was early 360, then I was most likely both spending less money on games and playing much more sports games even than now. <laughs> I want to say it came out around the same time as Gears because mm-hmm. everybody was talking about how amazing Gears looked. And uh, I think the original Prey, it came out like too late to be part of that cross-generational lineup of games, whereas like they were right. still releasing games in the original Xbox. But it was just... It was too early for really to show off what the HD era of consoles could do. Yeah. It it was a a game that took too long to come out and a game that took too long to play. <laughs> but uh, I finished it. I don't really know why. It got really bad <laughs> towards the end. Like when your your girlfriend becomes a mo- robot monster and you have to kill her. So I just spoil and pray. But I'm hoping that Prey 2, Eat, Pray, Love is actually going to be a better game. Uh, and based on what I've seen so far of how that story is being told and the framing of it, I think that you know Prey 2, Electric Boogaloo is going to be uh, interesting to play. Yeah, Prey, the original Prey was July 06 on Xbox 360. So it was as we were ramping up towards um, having Gears of War out in the fall. I will say that Prey had good use of Don't Fear the Reaper. Hmm. It's about the one part I remember, besides the girlfriend killing part. Also, it's pretty messed up that games just casually have you kill your girlfriend back then. Like Back then? Hopefully just back then. I don't know. I haven't played uh, that new Tom Clancy game, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, casual fridging is unfortunately still a thing. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that trend has gone away. If not just for games, then for like media in general. No, it's still pretty problematic. Like, what was that movie that came out with, um, was it Chris Pratt in space and he wants a space girlfriend? And so he, like, basically forces her to come out of stasis and... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He just spoiled that, too. Well, whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to say that. That banger. But anyway, people don't watch Passengers. It's not a good movie. No, go see Arrival instead. Oh, yeah. So dope. So good. All right. Well, Prey looks good. Um... Doug, what are you looking forward Anything to? Anything not obvious you guys are looking forward to? Because we all know Persona is going to be great, especially because Doug and I have already heard a lot of buzz about it. Mm-hmm. The unlocalized version over here. Yeah. Yeah, if they... I, I don't know what bugs or anything they would fix for the or for the American version, like if they have a chance to, but at the least, if they've localized it really well, then or to the same sort of quality as uh, Persona 4 was, then it'll be really, really good. Like, I've heard a lot of really good things about the um, Japanese version. I do have one question um, about Persona 5 that you guys may know. Uh, what's up? Does the battle music have lyrics? 
<laughs> um, I'm actually not sure about that. I think there is a, a full song that has lyrics, but I don't know if it's it's in the game by default or not. Okay. Because I don't know about you guys, but I played about 100 hours of Persona 4, and I never got tired of reaching out to that truth. Nope. I... <laughs> I believe I, I gave you the MP3s, but I have the soundtrack that was rearranged for the Persona 4 animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's on my phone, and it's never a skip when I'm listening to music. <laughs> there um, are very few series that are just such masters of their tone as the Persona series. Absolutely, oh my God, it's it's a, it's a so, masterpiece. I still have to beat Persona 3 or Persona 4 rather, mm-hmm. because I'm right near one of the ending parts of the game. And it has a boss fight that then leads directly into a second boss fight. And by the time I finished the first one the first time, I was completely out of magic points and any other health items or any other um, boosting items. So I'm either completely boned or I need to go like read up really quick on what persona to make for the main character and how to use them just to wipe this boss. You may just need to do some good old-fashioned grinding, too. I I'm I'm cutting it real close to uh to new or to christmas eve here is the problem oh yeah well it's yeah, that late I, in the game i think persona is also a series that has never been uncomfortable with just letting you fuck yourself over also yes i feel like golden makes it a lot I'm harder not sure. too but yeah hence yeah. why i say i might need to make some personas because grinding may not be an option mm-hmm I haven't heard any comments about the difficulty of five. I don't know if it's going to have that same curve that uh, three and four did because three and four both had, uh, I don't know if you want to call them re-releases or just expanded content versions that kind of smooth things out a bit or like erased Mm -hmm. some of the jank from the original releases on the PS2. This will be my first time playing a vanilla Persona game, actually, because I played FES of 3 and then the portable one, and then I only played Golden for 4. Uh, this one so, yeah. took so long to make, though. I, I wonder if they're going to revisit it again. I can't imagine they're just going to like spend all that time with the Catherine engine and just be like, we got our one game, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Catherine, amazingly, still a thing somehow, too, sometimes. There's a competitive Catherine speedrunning yeah. scene apparently competitive Catherine is like the mini games were the thing I liked the least about that whole game yeah that's another topic for another time yeah I do I think it's talk one of the game. only Evo games that uh, doesn't have any multiplayer functionally built into the game I think it has a two-player <laughs> co-op mode right for the the block climbing yeah uh, I think I said they showed that at GDC actually Oh, I thought the competitive Catherine was just them setting up two Xboxes on two different TVs. Oh, yeah. The competitive mode is, it has to be that way. But there is a co-op mode, I think. So you could do like two-on-two, for example. And I think what they showed GDC was someone doing two players, one controller. Oh, God. Because they love to do that. Yikes. Um, Yeah. Persona 5. That that might be my... I mean, it's coming so soon, I, I hesitate to make that the game I'm most like looking forward to. If I yep. was being super honest here, it's probably Splatoon 2. Huh. Because hmm. I've loved that first Splatoon to death. I played it for like six months straight. And uh, There's still so much we don't know about it, though. And uh, I mean, just based on what brief footage we've seen, uh, calling it Splatoon 2 seems like a bit of a reach so far. So it'll be curious to show 
what really justifies making this a sequel. Yeah, it's interesting they didn't just go with like the deluxe branding like they did with Mario Kart 8. Um, yeah. So I, they're I, adding stuff to Mario Kart 8. They got some battle mode and they got some new characters or whatever, but they're being much more clear that this is not a brand new thing. This is just what we had before, but a little bit better. Yeah. And I guess that's fair. You know, I don't know if Splatoon 2 is actually going to be a, a meaningful sequel or not. And, you know, maybe it's just an expanded single player and more multiplayer weapons. That's not super exciting for me because I didn't really like the single player. But the multiplayer was kind of just surprised the hell out of me. And I loved it to death every time I played it. But that was also before Overwatch. So I don't really know if there's room for another... Because I'm still playing Overwatch like almost every day for a few minutes. Yeah, and given the functionality of the Switch so far, like since Nintendo does plan on charging for their online access it's gonna be a uphill battle i think for them to justify that with this game because beyond splatoon you got maybe mario kart and what like what other online multiplayer games that are on the switch even please understand that someday <laughs> there will be more multiplayer games. I don't know. It's It seems like a big question mark. Switch is still an enigma to me. I have one. I love it. It's really cool for Zelda. Snipperclips is underrated. Play Snipperclips. But, uh, I, it was very clearly rushed out the door to make that early March release because Nintendo needed it on the books for that fiscal calendar. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, that thing is not ready for prime time, even if it has nope. games that are. I don't know, man. The hardware's so, pretty good. Yeah, but, but the yeah. software is missing key functionality points. Oh, and yeah. And the OS is seeming like it misses a lot of stuff as well. It's really fun to add friends and then just do nothing with them, which is currently what you can do. Yep. And if people try to add you, it's just like just a single name that yep. doesn't Oof. tell you who this person is or how you know them. It's great. <laughs> So I've just perused a quick list of what's coming out later this year. And since there's a lot of stuff that is uh, announced but not tied down to any dates, it's kind of tricky to see what's going to be coming up. Uh, we can't forget that December closes with um, Shenmue 3, which is promised to come. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, in more realistic things, uh, Gran Turismo Sport, since it's been delayed since 2016, is due to come out in 2017. That could be good, and since I already have a PlayStation 4, sure, why not? Um, let's not forget there's a new Marvel vs. Capcom that could be coming out this year. Yeah, but... Probably will ship. What if there's no Wolverine, though? <laughs> I think they've already confirmed there's not going to be any X-Men in it. God damn it. But, but at the same <laughs> time, having... At the same time, having a Marvel vs. Capcom game that's tied into the movies and probably isn't going to be but is going to be pretty good. Nick, prepare to enjoy the inhuman character Honey Badger. <laughs> oh, cool. Hey, you know what? All is forgiven if they put Unbeatable Squirrel Girl in there. I yeah, I would put good. money on that. That that seems like a safe bet. God, I will buy the hell out of that game. And if they get Hawkeye in there, oh man. Hawkeye's definitely going to be in there, kidding? But like the Hawkeye version. Oh. I want the the naked version where they have the old Hawkeye uh, logo covering up his naughty bits. <laughs> yeah. That was a running joke in the series. Yeah. <laughs> and then, naturally, the game that I'm most excited for that isn't a major title, like the smallest game or the, the non-AAA type, type of game that I'm most excited for for this year, 
is Fire Pro Wrestling World because that's the only wrestling game we're going to need on this console generation. They're still well, making speaking Fire of Pro. comics and fighting games. Uh, Injustice Two also comes out in May. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. I like <laughs> Tekken also does come out sometime later this year. I mean, I just don't like Injustice as much as MK Nine or Ten. Maybe I just am not a big DC buff, but. Uh, I was the total opposite, where I did not get into Nine's story at all, but uh, Injustice had a just had just enough fan service to kind of keep me going through the whole experience. Mm. Hey, I wonder if Street Fighter Five will be a full game this year. It's a f- full game now. Yeah, I guess yeah. it took them to this year. I mean, they got the season pass too uh, already up for pre-order. Yeah. Well. So I assume like they've they've hit enough of their base to justify keeping that thing rolling for at least a little bit longer. I just yeah. it's missing all the goofy ass characters that I loved so much. Like there's no there's no Sakura. There's no Dan. I don't know. Got Karen, man. Yeah. True. Karen's pretty good. <laughs> Karin's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, like I, I cannot say enough about how completely impossibly difficult, but awesome. It's going to be to have a fire pro game again on a current system. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about fire pro. I forgot about psychonauts too. Is that going to ship this year? I think it's the VR game. Yeah. That wasn't very good. Apparently it sounds like it's okay. Um, not a system seller, obviously, but um, Psychonauts was never a game I played for the gameplay, though. Yeah, that's fair. Like the platforming was better than I thought it was going to be, just you know, given Double Fine, period. But it was never about mm. the platforming. It was always about the writing and the character design and art. Yeah, I mean, like playing through that game, it was kind of like, what if there was a less deep Mario sixty four, but had actually like interesting characters and good writing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Banjo-Kazooie would be a better parallel there. Yeah. Uh, Ukulele's out this year. Speaking of which, yeah. Yeah. I don't... The, the Kirkland signature Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> uh, call me when they have ukulele nuts and bolts. That's exactly what I was going to say. Basically. Uh, I guess one other game that we didn't mention that I just want to sneak in real fast because I have to, is that the third and final Danganronpa is out this year, and I'm looking forward to that. As well you should. I like it when it's gonna be a banger. the school children kill each other. Yep. But yeah, the, the, we're the weird part where all of the known games really are coming... Like, if you look on lists or if you look on Wikipedia, everything that's known for 2017 is only up until, like, June. And then you have one game a month or two games a month tops the rest of the year that have been confirmed. So mm-hmm. we're coming into the the end of this wave, you know, post switch launch, post twenty sixteen delays for this early part of twenty seventeen, where it's been really good, and we we might have a bit of time to catch up here as we get into April and May. Mm-hmm. Well, Persona Five will take over everybody's life, but separately from that, we're not going to have any other games we have to play. And then we'll have E three come along and tell us everything that we're going to play in the fall. Yep. It feels like that's a good way of looking at it. Like there, there's probably a lot more coming this year. I can kind of sense it, just given the where we're at in the console life cycle. But yep, like Last of Us Two is now this year, right? Like maybe that Uncharted add-on mm. will be. But 
I think the entire the other definitely will be, but yeah, Last of Us. I don't, I could see it going either way, but mm-hmm. I would put my money on 2018. Yeah. yeah, I would guess they would put out that other one. Um, the other like was it not The Last of Us, but the other post-apocalyptic with bikers game that Sony was making. Uh, I don't. We haven't heard of anything about that game since the original trailer. Like, I just think there was, it was a pretty underwhelming display. I don't. I'll be surprised if we see that again without some dramatic changes. Yeah. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is, we saw that what a year or two years ago. It might be time that it comes back out, and then oh, and, and by the way, it's coming out later this year. Well, on that uh, note, calling it now. Do. Rockstar's Agent 2017. Ha. Huh. Ugh. But oh, uh, speaking of like last-minute announcements, though, uh, Shadow of War is out. Uh, what? August, June, August, August. Oh, cool! Stuff? I yeah, didn't realize it was summer. Yep. I could go for a little more of that. You know, I didn't love the first one, but I, I played a lot of it, and I was pretty. And they cool. got some interesting changes to the gameplay, uh, to the the Nemesis system. That if it, they can pull it off, it's going to make for a very unique experience. It's because now, rather than just uh, creating shadow agents, you can actually have uh, orcs on your side, and they can like jump in at the last minute and help you out. Like the preview I saw had one of your orcs uh, headshotting an orc that you were fighting huh. when mm. you were in like a sticky situation. And so is it kind of like squad commands at that point? It seemed like it wasn't something the uh, developer instigated. It sounded like it was just part of the systems. Hmm. So yeah, if they As can in... pull that off and it's not huh. like all scripted, then yeah, it's going to be a really cool idea to have this like posse backing you up. To feel like you're actually leading an army would be a pretty cool thing. I don't think that the first game really pulled that off at all. And that certainly not seems like the tone do. they're going for with a name like Shadows of War. Yeah. Not many games make you feel like you're the head of a big force. Like, sure, there's strategy games where you're looking at it as like a tabletop sort of thing, but nothing where you're like, you're the leader and then you have AI on your side. Mm-hmm. Usually it's the one dude against a million, but there's nothing where it feels like you have half the battlefield behind you. And that would be kind of interesting if they pull it off. And even in games where that probably should be part of the story, they find some narrative excuse. It's like, oh, we need a small squad to do this surgical like <laughs> yeah it's like really because it feels like we just like throw everything at this guy pretty much well over overwhelming odds is is kind of a universal trope even if you go back to different countries and cultures and places around the world where they have an some sort of classic tale of that style mm-hmm. um speaking of games we've only seen trailers do we think that godfather of war is coming out this year oh yeah Goddad of War. Uh, <laughs> no, that'd be interesting. I'm curious. Uh, what they've shown so far year. looks uh, so different than what that series typically was that I don't even know what it plays like yet. Yeah, that makes me interested because, you know, that first series had a lot of problems, but I thought it had some really, really cool stuff too. And I'd love to see them do something very fundamentally different with it. I guess we'll see. True. What about that rare pirate game? Is that happening? Sea That's, of Thieves? 
kind of has to come out this year because I don't think Microsoft has anything else going for it. <laughs> like Halo Wars 2 came out and everyone was just like, uh, wet fart sound. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's probably going to be a Forza 7 this year. Yeah, we're yeah there will be a Forza. It'll be, a, it'll be Motorsports flavored and that will be definitely something I play. I think I'm more of a Horizon guy. It's going to be full up on car games this year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, what else do they have? It's crazy that, like, it seems like each of us are really just going to have, like, our game to champion when it comes to Game of the Year stuff. It's like, we always have something we want to make the list, but we don't always each have something we want at the top of the list. Yep. Yeah. I think it's pretty solid that Yakuza 0 will be that for me as we're wrapping everything back together. Well, I'll try and do the good thing and play it before it comes for the Aaron's probably going to have to Sophie's Choice, uh, Zelda, and Red Dead. <laughs> That's at the top, though. That'll be easy for us course. to intervene in, Which though. Is... I, have a, you know, I have a feeling Red we'll Dead's We'll see where Red Dead be. goes. Yeah, we'll see. Give it a fair shake. I mean, it's, it's mainline uh, Rockstar. It's Grand Theft Auto team levels of stuff. They haven't yeah. put out a major, major game since GTA V. So expectations, naturally very high. Is it not the same team as Red Dead Redemption One? I don't know. Is Rockstar? I, I don't San really because that was Rockstar know... San Diego. Yeah. 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 Uh, do they exist anymore? Yeah. I think they worked on GTA Five multiplayer. Well, oh, that's I'm sorry. That's like talking about everybody that's worked on a Call of Duty multiplayer. I mean, GTA Five multiplayer is obviously making them a just obscene amount of money. So kudos to them, but like. I, th- I think by now I've pretty much worked on GTA Five multiplayer. <laughs> Do you have a shark card that gets debited every month? Yeah. But yeah, I think Red Dead is going to have obviously very, very high expectations. But yeah, always lower down the card. We always have something we want to see in there. Um, I think Yakuza 0 will probably be it for me because there's also a remake of Yakuza 1 coming out later this year, but Lord knows we'll have the time to get through that. Kiwami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kiwami. Uh, Persona 5 is going to be another one of those that's going to be punching right at the top of the list. I think we can probably, after all we talked about today, say that Zelda will be up there as well, since three of you guys are going to have played quite a bit of it by that time. And unlike Skyward Sword, all of us like it. Yeah. Unlike, unlike Skyward, Skyward Sword, Sword, it's actually good. It's good. <laughs> Ooh, good thing Aaron's not here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, Tyler, we can get into this because it's a safe space right now. Like, is Skyward Sword worse or better than the DS games? Oh, it's... Uh, <laughs> I know enough to know that this is a good question. Like, the the, the mm. presentation is better, I think. Uh, those motion controls are not fun, in my opinion. But yeah, I think that combat still works better than the DS games. Yeah, me too. But you could play through the DS ones a lot faster, so they got <laughs> that going for them. Yeah, God. Yep. I spent like 40 hours on Skyward Sword just trying to figure out why Aaron loved it, feeling like I was broken inside, and then I realized, no. No, it's not. It's, it's like the pretty prin- game. It's like the principal no, no, Skinner it's the children moment. who are wrong. Like, no, the children are wrong. Yeah, that's when you talk about not wanting to spend time wasting time on games and stuff like that, that's what you need to not do. Yep. That, that game being number two on our list for that year is one of our greatest shames. Was that the same year Skyrim won? Yep. Well then, that year that list is fucked anyway. Because <laughs> look at what number one was. Oh dear, yeah. that was just a bad year. 
I would take Skyrim over Zelda Skyrim. any day, though. That Skyward Sword game just was not good. Anyway. But, I mean, otherwise, that was a year when I was either broke or moving, so I didn't have any time to play any games. And, I don't know, we'd have to look and see what else was available in 2011, but I'm not sure it was that I think it was your GTA Five pity, pity placement. Was that that year? I don't remember. No, 2012 or 2013 was GTA Five. Maybe that was... Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I think Bulletstorm made 2011 list, so that tells you about the quality of games from 2011. That was a good game. Bulletstorm's alright. Yeah. I played through it twice. Yeah, Bulletstorm's alright, but I mean, that making the top ten... Oh yeah, no, that should not have happened. <laughs> it's a great B-tier game. You know, I put it next to like Shadows of the Damned, maybe a little higher than that in terms of like some good dumb fun. And yet, Shadows of the Damned is never was never ever 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 gonna make a top ten list. Uh, no. Yeah, no. All right. Well, we talked about a lot of games for a long time. Do you guys have any closing thoughts before I caught up? Close this thing out. Yeah, let's not do this quarterly. Let's make it at least monthly. Yeah. All right. I'm down. You know how to find me. Just sitting yep. here playing Night in the Woods, talking about how clever every single dialogue line is and screenshotting all of them. Because that's, <laughs> that's how I find happiness in this world. How many screenshots do I have of Yakuza 0? Let me ask. <laughs> you know, that's actually one thing I've been wanting to do more of is like photo journals or like photo essays of, of stuff. Because we take a ton of screenshots anyway, and uh, it's good, good-ass content. So maybe I'll post mm-hmm. some of those at some point if I feel like it. Letting you superimpose text on your images is probably one of the smarter moves that Nintendo made with the Switch. Yeah. You know, for all the things that system is missing right now, the fact that you can upload screenshots to Twitter with text overlaid and with a game like Zelda that just creates all these ridiculous moments, that's a pretty good, you know, hat trick for Nintendo right out the gate. Too bad they didn't really work out that video sharing, though. Yeah, that should be there. I think you can make gifts on a ps4 now yeah can you make gifts is that was that in the update i think so i'm pretty sure if not the most recent update and the one before that i have quite a few screenshots from it's it's not like built in the system functionality but it's part of their share app ah okay does that share factory yeah like the one where you can do actual like video editing right okay There's a lot of good stuff in this game. This game's crazy. Anyways, yeah, we played a lot. We've talked a lot about what's been crazy for this spring, early spring of 2017. Yeah. Well, I feel good. I feel like I know what's going on. I know how to start, you know, working through this massive pile of games to play. Maybe I'll even get to one of these games that already came out at some point. Like Horizon, I think. I don't know, Tyler. I have a feeling you or I will end up playing that before the year is up. So. Yeah, definitely. But I think I made the right call in deciding not to play it uh, right before or right after Zelda. Yeah. I feel like that's a game that's too similar in some ways to be complimentary. Let it breathe. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I don't want to drag this out too much longer. So thanks so much for joining me. Glad you can make it. We'll have to do this again soon. Yep. All right. And uh, Cheers. for those of you listening, we'll uh, be back hopefully before too long. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll, we'll see you soon.